pastor. Our church is gifted in so many ways, and that so many of you are courageous and bold to share your gifts for God's glory. That is a beautiful and amazing thing, and to that I say amen. So thank you all. Well, I promise you that I have not uh, prepared a sermon that is twice the normal length to make up for last week. Uh, With that promise does not come the promise that uh, gets you out on time. I kid. Norma will flick me in the ear if I don't. No, you won't? Okay. No, I'm already nervous enough standing up here. I came out in my standard pastoral robe and stole, and Norma said, oh, he's wearing his dress again today. So I'm already self-conscious enough. So I kid. Wow, it's good to be back. Uh, So before I left, uh, we started a series of sermons called Thrive. Thrive. And the whole main idea behind this series is this. When adversity hits our lives, we don't have to get buried alive. We can do more than simply survive. We can thrive. That's right. I know it's crazy. But in the middle of adversity, yes, we can thrive. That's the main idea of this series. And we introduced that a couple weeks ago. Now, it's very important to me and very important really to to Scripture uh, that we we don't just say some catchy-sounding things uh, and let them be sweet and platitude-like, just bumper-sticker theology, and then carry on. It's got to matter, doesn't it? The things that, uh, we, that we hear from Scripture, the things that we talk about, they've got to matter. We've got to be able to work that out in our lives. It's got to become real, doesn't it? And so that's what we're going to be doing for the rest of the series. We're going to be digging a little deeper so that when we hear that we can thrive in the face of adversity, that it's going to mean something in our bones, that we're going to be able to, to work with the Lord to receive what he gives us so that that might actually happen for us more than not. So we have to dig deep in the scriptures. We're going to have to dig deep in our hearts to make that happen. So that's what we're going to be doing uh, today and for the rest of our series. So let's uh, take some time today to dig a little bit deeper, and we're going to be talking about how to thrive when things around us get chaotic. So we're going to turn to the scriptures now. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. I'll invite you to hear the word of the Lord. On that day, when evening had come, he, being Jesus, he said to them, being the disciples, let us go across to the other side, and that is across the Sea of Galilee. All right, so now that you got all that, let me read it again. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him, with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace! Be still. And then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable to you. Send your Holy Spirit upon us to captivate everything spoken, said, done, and thought, that it might be filled with your Spirit, with words for life, that we might be your children, holy, whole, following after you into this world. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. All this talk about waters made me thirsty. You know, sometimes when we try to describe what's going on in our lives, it can get pretty complicated, like, like feelings. Try to put words to feelings. Go ahead. Yeah, it's not easy. So when we try to talk about what's going on in our lives with other people, sometimes we point to things that we do all have in common. You might not be feeling the way I feel, but we all experience nature, for example. So we can use nature to describe uh, metaphorically the things that are going on in our lives. For example... We can point to a bubbling mountain stream, picture it, and say, ah, this is how peaceful I feel, right? Or if you come across somebody that's just so cheerful, you can say, they have a sunny disposition. Ah, there it is. Or or you could say, uh, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, use all that double meaning and say, winter is coming, Right? Now, I use nature language a lot to describe what happens in my kid's bedroom. It looks like a tornado. An F5 has gone through there. (laughs) Jack, by the way, we're cleaning our rooms after church. When life is chaotic, we can talk about how it feels like we're going through a storm or we're caught in the middle. So, we can use nature language to describe what's happening in our lives. It can work the other way around, too. It really can. It can work the other way around. Our environments can influence our experiences. What's going on around us can influence our experiences. So, for example, medical studies will tell us that people who are exposed to more sunlight tend to be happier. All right? Go outside, everybody. Get a little vitamin D. That's good. Uh, You might also hear that, uh, or you would know this on your own, that on a dark and rainy morning, we are more often ready to stay in bed and pull the covers back over our head. Because it's dark and gloomy. You might have heard that police officers often report that crime goes up in the summer because it's incredibly hot. So sometimes what happens around us influences what happens in us. What happens around us often influences what happens in us. So, that when the storms of life are raging, oh, I hope you're following with me when I say storms of life, because, man, sometimes things can get crazy out there. Chaotic and all over the place. The storms of life, when the, when, when the bills are not getting paid and so-and-so is mad at so-and-so and I'm mad at so-and-so. When our relationships are struggling and the kids are having trouble. When we have sickness and death in the family and the storms of life are raging. Y'all following with me? Sometimes it's, sometimes it's just, I feel so sad and you don't know why. Mm. Your heart's racing and, and you can't stop it because your body's working against you. Oh, when the storms of life are raging. Y'all following with me? But sometimes it's just incredibly hard to keep the storms that are outside of our lives from raging inside of our lives. Sometimes that's terribly hard. I wonder if you've got some storms that you've walked through. I dare say most of us have. 
If not, I hate to be the bearer of bad news while I share good news. You probably will. Maybe it's just the gloom of overcast circumstances to an all-out tornado of circumstances. Uh, We'll experience a storm or two. The question for us is how do we keep the storm on the outside from becoming the storm on the inside? How do we keep the storm on the outside from becoming the storm on the inside? Now, that is the very same trouble that the disciples are having on the Sea of Galilee. Same trouble. So it goes like this. Jesus said, hey, let's go across the sea. And they said, yeah, which is a good thing to say when Jesus says, let's go. Just keep that in mind. And so they, they get in the boat and they're getting ready to cross the sea. And, and what started out as smooth sailing turned into a choppy afternoon. It's not unusual for a storm to whip up on the Sea of Galilee. It's pretty common. If it's not a... a rainstorm like we're used to with clouds and all that. It could just be crazy wind because the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by mountains and it does things to the airflow. So what I'm saying is it's not unusual for a storm to pop up like this. And you know, you might remember that a lot of the disciples that are in the boat, many of them were fishermen from the Sea of Galilee, so they were probably used to a storm popping up on the Sea of Galilee. But, you know, the the scriptures tell us that this This was not an ordinary storm. This was a little bit beyond the norm and beyond their expertise. Verse 37 says, in the New Revised Standard, a great windstorm arose. A great windstorm. Now I saw that, and you know what I did? I said, I'm going to get all nerdy in this passage of Scripture, and I pulled out the Greek New Testament with all my resources because I can't really read it by myself. But I pulled it out. You know what the word great is in the Greek? Mega. That's where we get the word mega from, by the way. It's from the Greek language, mega. And it means the same thing in Greek as it means in in English. And so guess what? A great mega storm whipped up over the Sea of Galilee. Now that says something to me. That's a mega storm. That's not an ordinary storm. It's a mega storm. It whips up out of nowhere. Maybe the sky goes black. I don't know, but either way, furious winds start to whip up on the water and violently churn the waves. And that's, I don't know if you can imagine that. That's crazy. And the Bible says this. The Bible says that waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. That's terrifying. And the disciples, as experienced as they are with this kind of stuff, I can only imagine them. Picture it, if you will. The boat is going crazy and the waves are everywhere and they're hanging on to be kept from being thrown over and and maybe they're even trying to get some water out of the boat so they don't sink and they've got, I don't know, maybe they have some Galilean buckets and they're just dipping water and throwing it out there and they're terrified. And in the middle of all of that, there's Jesus who it turns out can sleep through anything, asleep on a cushion in the back of the boat, peacefully on a pillow. I don't know about y'all. I can't sleep through that kind of stuff. The dog barks and I'm up for hours. I don't know how he's doing that. You know, a wet pillow. You know, Nora May likes to sleep in the bed sometimes. She'll fall asleep with her water or whatever and gets on the pillow. I'm like, I'm, I'm all done. But Jesus, he's got some skills. He can sleep on anything. They're over here fighting for their lives. And here's Jesus, not even awake enough to look startled, let alone get a bucket and help or perform one of those great miracles he's been performing for all them other people along the Sea of Galilee. Does he care? 
That's really what the disciples start to ask themselves. All this is happening and Jesus is just over there. Does he even care what's happening to us? Does he care at all? And that's what they say to him. Uh, they, they, they say, uh, they, try, they try to wake him up. They try to get him up. And then finally they shout over the gale, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Oh, and now Jesus decides to wake up. Now he wakes up. A megastorm, get this, follow with me. A megastorm doesn't wake him up. A wet pillow doesn't wake him up. They tried to wake him and he didn't wake up, but they asked this question. Do you not care that we are perishing? And all of a sudden, Jesus shoots up like some fresh cold water got thrown in his face, and there he is. That's interesting to me. This question. So Jesus rebukes the wind and the sea. Rebuke is a great word, isn't it? He calls them down. He speaks directly to the wind and to the sea and says, Peace be still. And there was, the Bible says, a dead calm. Oh, you know what I did when I saw the word dead calm? I went back to my Greek New Testament and actually the people who translated it for me. And do you know what the word is there? Mega. Oh, that's fun. With a few short words from Jesus, a mega storm turns into a mega calm. Wow. You've got to love your Bibles, right? There's so much treasure in there. Jesus has the power and authority to command the wildest, most uncontrollable elements with just his voice. And you know what? I think the story could end right there, don't you? That's pretty. We could get some inspiration out of that, right? I love it. Guess what? Jesus said, peace be still, and it was peace and was still. He's got the power. And we could just stop. That'd be great, right? But Jesus has more to say, it turns out, in that boat. It could stop and be miraculous and wonderful after Jesus stills the storm, the waves and the winds. But Jesus has more to say because while the storm may be at peace outside of the boat, there is still a storm inside the boat. And it just so happens that it's stuck inside the hearts and lies of the disciples themselves. Because while the storm out there has been calmed, the storm in the disciples' inner lives was raging, reflecting that storm. Because when the storms of life are raging on the outside, it's terribly hard to stop them from raging on the inside. So there's a storm. Jesus is not done. They say, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And it turns out that in their struggle to manage through the storm, they're afraid and they begin to doubt Jesus. And their struggle to manage through their circumstance, they get scared and the storm that's out there becomes a storm in here. And somebody says in this room, I know exactly what that's like. And instead of reaching out to Jesus uh, for, for help and, and trust, they reach out in accusation and distrust. And, and we get it. That happens sometimes too. So while the waves are beating against the boat, the waves of doubt and anxiety are crashing against their hearts and their fear overwhelmed their faith. And I think that's why Jesus woke up. Because see, he was fine in the storm. But when they said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And it was clear that storm was inside of these people. Jesus woke up from his sleep. And he says, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And I say to Jesus, with all due respect, Jesus, that's kind of a dumb question. 
I mean, do you see what's happening? Think about it. Why are you afraid? Oh, come on, Jesus. Isn't it obvious? The, the wind is crazy out here. We've never seen anything like it. We're out here trying to bail water. The boat's going like this, and you're asleep. We don't know what's going on. But really, that's not the answer to Jesus' question. That's, it. that's what's going on out there is, is an answer to a different question. That's, that's the answer to the question that asks, hey, what's happening around you? What's happening around you? Jesus didn't ask what's happening around you. He said, why are you afraid? That's a question, uh-oh, about what's happening inside of you. Do you see the difference? Hey, guys, what's going on? Then you can tell them about the storm, but Jesus says, hey, why are you afraid? Guess what? He's not asking about the storm. He's asking about what's happening inside of you. Why are you afraid? That's what Jesus cares the most about in this situation. And you know, it's a pesky little question when you think about it. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? I, it, it gets a little too personal, I think. You know, here's an example. I like the part in the story where Jesus calls down the wind and the waves. I like that. I like that. And on some level, that's all I really want. Jesus, can you uh, just make my life a little bit more manageable so I can go about my business? We like Jesus when he does that, right? Jesus, can you just give me about 140 extra dollars until the first of next month? Uh, make my life a little more manageable? Well, we'll be good. Don't worry that I spend it all on junk and whatever through the month. Doesn't matter. Just make my life more manageable. God, I'm having some trouble in my life, and sure, I'm, you know, just, just make it a little easier. My car's got a flat tire. Can you just help me get a new tire, oh God, and just help me go about my life? Somebody's sick. Can you just make them better so I can go about my life? Here's the thing. Following Jesus means so much more than having an easy ride. It's about the condition of our hearts and our souls. Jesus is all about stealing the storm that rages on the inside. Jesus is not content to change our scenery without also changing our heart. When the storms of life become the storms inside, Jesus wants to call those down too. So he gets very personal with the disciples. Why are you afraid? sounds like a rough question. Do you have no faith? But truthfully, he's getting personal with us too, and he asks us the same kind of question, and it goes something like this. Maybe you can hear it this way. Okay, everybody. I see the storm around you. I see it. Oh, and it's crazy out there. I see the storm around you, but why is there a storm inside of you? I see it. I see the bills, I see the crazy, I see the anxiety, I see the fear, I see everything that's going on. I see it out there, I see it, I'm right here with you. I see the storm outside of you, but why is there a storm inside of you? It's a question that Jesus asks. It's a pesky question, and it causes us to really think and search. But it's a good, it's a helpful question for two reasons. Stay with me here. It's helpful first because Jesus doesn't let us just blame him for everything that goes on or blame other people for everything that goes on inside of our lives. He actually turns the question back to us because this question, why are you afraid, reminds us that we've got some skin in the game too. Listen, it reminds us that we must choose how we respond in the face of adversity versus simply reacting to it. This question implies to us that we have the responsibility to choose how we will be in response to the adversity that strikes versus simply reacting to it. We bear some responsibility. For one, our faithful response, and two, how we respond to things that happen in our life. So it's helpful that Jesus does this. He's a good teacher. But it's also helpful for us because Jesus reminds us that 
there is another way instead of fear. If he asks us, why are you afraid? That also means that we don't have to be afraid, right? That means that Jesus shows us another way beyond fear. It it implies that the storm around you does not have to become the storm inside you. That's a wonderful reminder. That's a wonderful thing to learn, that the storms of life don't have to rob us of our peace. That when things get chaotic, we, we don't have to just sit there and tread water and doggy paddle and find a life preserver because guess what? Jesus is in the boat of our lives right there with us. Despite how it may feel in the moment, and I know that sometimes it can feel rough in the moment, can't it? But despite how we feel, he not only cares for us, he not only cares that things are tough, he has come to help us. That's what this question reminds us, that there's another way that it doesn't have to be fearful. And I want you to think about it this way in the great big picture, okay? Because this particular story in Mark chapter 4 is just one small part of the gospel story, right? And as this story unfolds, we see Jesus a journey to the cross to sacrifice his life to defeat the powers of sin and death in the world. That's, that's the gospel, right? And so with the powers of death and sin defeated in the world, there's not much left to be afraid of. In fact, 1 Corinthians says it best this way. You might remember this. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, where, oh, death is your sting. That's the words. That, that's our peace. That's our hope. That's how, we, that's how Jesus can sleep in the back of the boat in the middle of a megastorm because he knows that ultimately that storm has no sting. Jesus has defeated everything in the world there is to be afraid of to keep us separate from life and living. And he knows that no matter what waves beat against him right now, the storm has no sting because it will subside. And when it does, he and the people of the resurrection will remain standing tall. The storm has no sting. That's how the boy can sleep in the back of a boat. Sorry, Lord Jesus, I just called you that boy. But I was amazed at you. The storm has no sting. Sting. And the, the writer of the famous shepherd psalm knew this too when they wrote, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What a storm that is, right? I will what? Fear no evil because you are with me. It seems that even in the psalms, the storm on the outside does not have to become the storm on the inside. The storms around our lives and the circumstances that we are in do not have to be the storms in our lives. Because of the work of Jesus Christ and our faith and trust in him, the storm has no sting. Say it with me. The storm, very good. There is peace in the storm because Jesus is there. Life will rock your boat. It just will. And there will be storms and they'll swamp your life. But when you feel that storm pressing in, remember that Jesus is in that boat with you. And he cares about you. And he has the power to calm the storm. Not just the storm that's going on around you, but the storm that's inside of you too. The same power that could calm a mega storm on the Sea of Galilee can calm the storms that rage inside of us and it doesn't have to take us under. And that means that even when it comes, we can thrive. We can thrive. So my friends, let's trust him to do what he does best, to place our trust in him in the middle of all that we go through, that we could have peace and we could stand tall and we could choose a response informed by and worthy of the gospel because the storm around you does not have to be the storm inside of you. Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me? Oh, our Heavenly Father, 
We thank you so much for your word that not only brings a testimony of your work on this earth to us through scripture, but your word that we read about coming out of the mouth of Jesus that has the power to still a storm. God, we've got some storms. We're praying about a couple right now in the weather forecasts and things that have happened, but we've got some storms in our lives too. Some of us may be thinking about them right now, God. About the person in our life and they're sick and we're so afraid of what is going to happen to them. About the situation with our house or our car, with our job or with our children or our own health. Just overall uncertainty and we can't pin it down. God, sometimes there's just no reason, but we just feel afraid or anxious or worried. We've got some storms, oh God. And I just pray right now that you speak to each of us right now. By, by the power of your Holy Spirit, can you please bring that word that we read from Scripture that came from the mouth of our Lord Jesus? Can you, by your Holy Spirit, bring that now into our heart? Oh God, you are so powerful in your spirit so that we might hear right now in our soul, peace, be still. And that it wouldn't just be a suggestion or something we have to try to perform towards, but that it would have the same power that Jesus has, that it would actually begin to still our hearts. God, it's hard sometimes to have trust in you. It really is. And we're sorry when we mess it up, but we just ask you to help us right now. Help us. For we want to trust you in all things. We want to stand tall. And we don't want the storms around us to become the storms inside of us. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In a moment, we're going to sing a wonderful...